The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. Each week, the Pet Buzz provides the latest news and information on how to keep your pets healthy and happy so you can save money and have a fulfilling relationship together. Happy 2022 to you and all of your four-legged friends. This is the best of the pet buzz. Now, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. We want to know if your dog is a genius. Our first guest is going to give us some guidelines on how she created the test. And joining us today is Genius Dog Challenge Project Manager, Shani Dorr. Miss Dorr is a PhD candidate in the ethology department at the university in Budapest, Hungary. So Shani, welcome to the Pet Buzz today. Hello, thank you very much for having me. You know, Shani, I'm so curious. Talk to us, what is the Genius Dog Challenge? So the Genius Dog Challenge is kind of a combination of a scientific project and also a social media campaign. We find that dogs that know the names of objects are very, very rare. And we wanted to find more dogs like this. So we came up with this challenge where we, it, we test the dog's ability to learn names of objects. And we broadcast it so people can see it in live broadcasts at their home. Cool. So what prompted your research? Well, we've been looking for dogs that know the names of objects for about two or three years now. Uh, there's a few studies done in the past where show, that show that one dog was able to learn the names of a thousand and another dog learned 200, but these are very few cases. And we wanted to know if this is something rare or can all dogs learn to do this? So our first study looked into this and we found that actually very few dogs can learn the names of objects. And then we decided to look deeper into this phenomenon and try to understand what makes these dogs different from other dogs and how exactly do they understand the words uh, the names of the objects, how does this uh, compare to the way humans understand names of objects? Cool. I know you, in this particular study, you use border collies primarily, correct? Yeah. And I'm curious, were some of the other studies, did they use border collies as well? So there were two studies that uh, worked with Yorkshire Terriers, and most of the studies indeed used worked with border collies, but this is not a strictly border collie phenomena. So yes, it is more common among border collies, but even among border collies, it is very, very rare. We have tested, uh, we have trained 18 border collies of none, and none of them have learned the names of objects. So I would say this is more common among border collies, but not exclusively border collie. And we see it also in a few other breeds. We have one German Shepherd, a Pekingese, a few mixed breeds. So not only border collie. So now talk to us about the protocols of the study. Well, we get a lot of owners calling us and telling us, my dog knows the names of objects. And we are very excited when this happens. And when we start testing the dogs, we notice that actually what the dogs are doing, because dogs are the masters of reading human communication. They are 
There are some studies showing that they're way better than chimpanzees and wolves and many other animals. And what the dogs typically do is that when you ask them for something, they read the complete picture, not only what you're saying. So if you have a bowl and a rope in front of you and you're asking your dog to bring the rope, you might be accidentally turning a bit towards the rope, accidentally looking a bit more towards the rope. And the dogs very easily pick up on this. This is called the clever hands effect, where uh, the animal is actually reacting according to what the human is reacting to. So in our studies, what we do is we want to isolate this component. So we place the toys outside of the owner's view. And this way we know that the owners have no idea what the dog is doing and they cannot help the dog. This is really important to the pet parents out there because they sure. really recognize and think their pets are really intelligent. They think their pet is a genius. Genius. So now they're yes. going to actually have some equipment and some knowledge to uh, some reinforcing it to see if their dog is really yes. a genius. Yes. So let's go back to Shani and ask her, talk about what the research revealed. Well, we found that these dogs are extremely rare, but also learn very, very fast. One of our previous studies found that these dogs can learn the names of objects after hearing them only four times. Now, whoever is working with dogs and training dogs, knowing that telling the dog, for example, the command sit four times normally will not stick. So not only are they doing here something that is very special, learning names of objects, which we know most dogs cannot do, they are also doing it extremely fast. And what we also found in our latest study is that they can remember these objects for two months, even if they have learned a lot. I think a lot of uh, students will relate that if you learn a lot of things at once, you normally forget most of them and you forget them very quickly. <laughs> but our dogs, they learned 12 toys in one week and they've managed to remember them for two months later. I don't remember what I was tested about two months ago. So before, <laughs> before Dr. Fleck ask you another question, I want to make sure I understand this. So the dogs had six toys. They <laughs> learned the six toys and then over a course of a month. And then the next month they were introduced to another six toys. No, they had, okay. so they had one week to learn the names of six toys. Okay. That was the first stage. We tested them at the end of the week. We found that they learned the names of the six toys. Then we decided, okay, let's double the difficulty level because six toys seem to be quite easy. So we gave the owners 12 new toys and only one week. Now, if you try to train your dog to learn 12 new commands in one week, that's a lot of work. And what was amazing here is the owners actually didn't put a lot of work into it. So most of the owners were playing with the dog for about half an hour a day. And this was enough to learn 12 new names of objects in one week. Then two months later, we tested the dogs and we found that they still remember the names of the toys. Amazing. That's totally amazing. amazing. Okay. So the one week, six toys. Easy. Easy. And then 12 toys. To then they had another six toys. So 12 toys, new toys. New New 12 toys. new toys. It wasn't the number six. It was a 12 new toys. New, wow. 12 so that's new like toys. 18 yeah. toys. And they remember them. I know. think you'd remember 18 toys. I didn't remember what she just said. So obviously, <laughs> I mean, we're I, in trouble. Yeah, we're in trouble. Maybe they're smarter than us. So 18 toys. So that's what these dogs had to learn. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm curious, were the toys picked or selected based on the breeds? Because you tended to use more border collies. So, I mean, like, it was very challenging to pick the toys because some of these dogs have over a hundred toys. So, and we have six toys, six dogs. And so we had to find toys that none of the dogs already had. 
Um, other than that, we didn't have any specific requirements for the toys. So as long as the dogs did not have any of these toys and did not already know the names of these toys, that was enough for us. And it was already quite a lot of work finding toys that none of the 600 already <laughs> existed. Wow. As the researchers call it, this was a really neat blind study. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so then what can pet owners really take away from this study? Well, I think from our direct, uh, what we find, we cannot directly say it relates to normal dogs, because as I said, these dogs seem to be very special. But what I think most pet owners should consider when they're working with their dogs is how much the dog is understanding the whole communicative context meaning that if I am lifting my head while I'm telling the dog to sit, there's a good chance that my dog is actually picking up on me lifting the head and not on the word that I'm saying. Well, Shani, I have to admit that having you here today is going to make me more cognizant of when our pet parents come in and they tell me how much of a genius their pet is. And of course, I look away and roll my eyes. I can't do that anymore. They're probably right. <laughs> they could. Well, I think all all, I think all pet parents think their dogs are geniuses, don't you? Some think so more than others. But I would say that they all are in a very uh, amazing, in a very special way, because I could not read body language like my dog does. The way that he can pick up on the small cues that I unconsciously give for me is amazing. And I think they can do it in many cases much better than humans. We got to definitely have you back. This is good for our, our pet parents because they're going to love knowing that their pet a, is really smart. Well, they have to put in the time. I mean, you know, obviously they spend time. time. <laughs> well, Shani, thank you so much for visiting with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Just to remind you that was Shani Drawer discussing her genius dog challenge to try to find if your dog is a genius. GeniusDogChallenge.com. More of the best of the pet buzz right after this. It's pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. Did you know that most dogs suffer from periodontal disease by the time they are three years old? By giving your dog Loving Pets products two sticks, your pet will give you the freshest and mintiest kisses. These multi-purpose treats are made and sourced in the United States, ensuring that you are giving your dog the best and safest option for his enjoyment and his health. Online at shoplp.com. Thank you, Loving Pets, another proud supporter of the Pet Buzz. What would you do with two and a half more years with your dog? Two and a half more years of fetch, of walks, of love. Studies show that overweight dogs live two and a half years less on average than dogs at a healthy weight. But Slim Paws is here to help. Veterinarian recommended weight loss in one daily chew for your dog. Slim Paws for the long, healthy life of your dog. Online at TevraPet.com. That's T-E-V-R-A Pet.com. Tevra Pet and Slim Paws, proud supporters of the Pet Buzz. They call me Prince like I'm royalty or something. But the places I've lived ain't no palaces. So I don't need grilled salmon or a new scratching post. Just give me a cardboard box and a can of tuna and we're good. You can even change my name. I'm cool being the kitty formerly known as Prince. 
person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Welcome back to the best of the pet buzz. Here's Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Okay, so we're back with Ash Ahuja. He's a former fashion photographer who is responsible for capturing compelling pictures, helping Humane Society of Silicon Valley dogs and cats get adopted. And he is here sharing some of his top tips so that you can have great Halloween and then some pictures for your dogs and cats. But who doesn't like pictures of pets in costumes? So you had a question for Ash. Okay, let's talk about the focal point of of holiday pet pictures. What is the focal point? What do you do? The focal point for pet pictures is uh, a lot of people like their pets to look a little spooky uh, with the spooky eyes if you have some kind of a scary costume on. So if if you're going down the spooky route, then it's good to have, uh, then it's good to use a flash if your dogs or cats can handle it. Some dogs get, uh, startled when you have a flash that suddenly fires in their eyes. But if you, that's where phone cameras do a pretty good job of making your eyes look spooky. They do that, they do that to us as well as humans, right? When we take a picture and you have those glowing eyes, use that to your benefit, point directly at your dog or cat's face and take it with the flash. You'll have those glowing eyes. That's one thing. If you're going for cute, the costumes are cute and you have like, we just did a shoot in a tutu, a tea party shoot for a pit bull at the Humane Society in a tutu. And there you want to try and, you know, make it more softer and cuddlier and cuter. That's where you start to bring in props. So props play a big part in Halloween costume shoots, something the dog can play with, interact with, chew, uh, pick up, if it's just a dog in a costume, many people think that's okay. But if you have a dog in a costume playing with something that is very interesting, that makes the picture come alive. Plus, you can go buy hay bales, right? <laughs> yeah. And you yes. can get pumpkins. You can carve them up. You can have like a string that says Happy Halloween. Yeah. You can get as creative as you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That, I mean, yeah. I think that's where it kind of gets a little expensive, but it sounds super cool. You mentioned earlier, Ash, that you had a black lab. I think that was your first pet. So, right. so many people have black dogs and cats. Can you give us some tips for shooting black dogs and cat pictures? Yes, absolutely. And this is where I think cell phone cameras struggle a little bit. So, the best way to get good pictures with a black dog or a cat is to focus on the background. Make sure the background that you're shooting them against is not too bright. Because if the background is very bright behind the dog or the cat, the cameras are going to reduce the exposure, which makes your black dog pretty much look really bad. You want to shoot them with either a a subdued background or shoot them in full sunlight. Full sunlight is amazing for black dogs and cats because that shows the shine on the fur. It shows their shape really well. Uh, it, it, it really does good. So shoot in, sh- in sunlight, shoot with a non-bright background, and you'll get great pictures. With costumes, lighting should be important, correct? Lighting is always important for any kind of uh, photography. But I would say the lighting sets the mood a lot. So with Halloween, again, depending on the kind of look you're going for, um, lighting can play a big part. So if you really want 
uh, a spooky uh, look, then more more dim lighting using even lamps and, and, and regular bulbs would help. If you're looking at creating something that's really soft and cuddly and cute, then more light is good. Window light is amazing for all kinds of pictures, whether it's dogs or humans. So if you have a big bay window or some kind of a nice window light in your house, that's great. Take your dog in a costume or cat in a costume next to the window, as close to the window as possible. Take a picture without the window in the frame. That creates really amazing lights because it shines their, their eyes. The window light is beautiful. It makes them look really nice with the costume showing. I got to practice. <laughs> got to go home and practice. Okay. So, um, yeah, this next question is really interesting. <laughs> it really is. Ever try to take a picture of a pet just being an everyday person? Well, how best should we capture the attention of our dogs yeah. and, and cats? I mean, do toys work? Do fishing pole toys? They work? never sit still for me. <laughs> yes, that's so that's that's that depends on the dog. Some dogs are more food motivated, so you can get them to to pay more attention in the beginning. But the one thing I've found is use treats just in the beginning because treats can, the dog, some dogs are so food motivated that they'll just keep looking for the treat and you don't get a good look on their face because they're all the time just focused on what do you have in your hand, right? It's, it's some dogs look cute with that, some dogs don't. Toys, squeaky toys are really good. I try and use a squeaky toy, a little squeaky toy right next to the lens of my camera. And you squeak, you squeak that, the dog looks at your camera, take a picture right away. You have very little time with dogs or cats. So that so the basic idea is get the treats, get them comfortable, then use a squeaky toy to get their attention every time you're planning to take a picture. Now, what about cats? Cats are interesting because not very many cats like to be outdoors. So you have to take pictures inside most of the time. So with cats, I would say window light is your best friend. Uh, take them next to a window. If your cat is happy outside, I've taken pictures of cats in planters, next to roses, next to flowers, where they sit and lounge around in the sun. Those are some, some amazing pictures. But I find most cats are happy indoors. The string toys are great for cats when they're trying to reach out and grab a toy on a on a rope, on a string. Those are some cute pictures you can get. But I think a lot of cat pictures look cute even when they're sleeping. So I can see that. When they're not moving. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ash, thank you for joining us today. I am sure that I will be better at taking pictures after having our interview today. I really look forward no, to no, seeing if no. I've improved. Stop lying. You mean you really <laughs> look forward to seeing me use Ash's tips to take pictures because you're not going to take it. Absolutely. Pictures. That's the way that's, it is. That's how it is. OK, Ash, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure having you here. Thank you for having me. Well, just to remind you that what we were speaking with photographer Ash Ahuja, he volunteers his time. And that that's what's so great, because there's so many different ways you can volunteer your time. So he happens to use his professional skills to take pictures of dogs and cats at the Humane Society. And from what I understand from my contacts there, it's really making a difference, especially with the black dogs and cats who are really hard to shoot. His work can be seen at HSSV. Org. Okay, we're going to be back in a flash. We're going to take a break. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss what we're talking about next.
Yeah, now would be a time to see if you could wrangle yourself another treat. We'll be right back with more of the best of the pet buzz. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. www.epi-pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Hey, I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. Did you know that humans can give COVID to their dogs and cats? I got the shots to protect myself, others, and my dogs, Morrow, Wally, Hammy, and Church, as well as my cat, Hayden. My pets are my family, and I want to keep them safe. I encourage you to get the COVID-19 shot and the boosters. Here at the Pet Buzz, we know all our listeners love their pets, but one of our proud supporters loves pets so much, they put it in their name. I'm talking about Loving Pets, online at shoplp.com. They focus on healthy, high-quality, and affordable treats for your pets, and they're manufactured right here in the USA. And one of our favorites is their Tooth Sticks. It's a daily dental treat that helps massage gums, removes tartar, and freshens breath. It's a healthy treat that's not going to break the bank. Here at the Pet Buzz, we know you're looking for healthy, high-quality, and affordable treats for your pets. So think Loving Pets online at shoplp.com. And we've also posted special information about Loving Pets and how you can save even more money on our website, thepetbuzz.com. So thank you, Loving Pets, another proud supporter of the Pet Buzz. See, we knew you could wait. It just seems like forever. In dog years, now petrendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Hey, we're back on the Pet Buzz with Dr. Sarah Wooten, veterinary expert for Pumpkin Insurance. Dr. Wooten, you mentioned that the disposable income and what people are planning, because we all have some degree of disposable income. Does that mean that people are beginning to put some of that plan for their pet? Or are they not doing that yet? Uh, You know, it's interesting um, because I have had people driving Mercedes and wearing $300 jeans say that they can't afford the vet veterinary bill. And I think it comes down to a perception of value. Uh, A lot of people don't understand the value of what's being provided and they're shocked by the price. And also Dr. Fleck, I agree. Uh, Veterinarians are small, uh, small businesses. A lot of them are Mm -hmm. still mom and pop businesses and they're, they're operating on a very fine financial line and they're not banks, right? And I agree also, um, there has to be a long established relationship with these veterinarians before they're going to extend a line of credit. I've seen some of these veterinary offices accounts receivable lists and it's long because we do have these big hearts and we want to help everybody. But at the end of the day, you can't run a business on charity. As a human, if you have an emergency and you go to the hospital, they have a responsibility to treat you. They have to treat you. 
But when you go to the veterinary hospital, what most of us will do if they are financially where they can't uh, pay for a larger bill, we at least provide first aid care. Um, so we provide something. But we don't get paid for that. Where the hospitals get paid for that through the government or some other third party payment. And I think people don't they don't think of that. They they think the same way that if they go to the hospital, they don't need to worry about it. Somebody will pay it. But if they take their pet, they still think that same thing. Somebody will pay that bill. OK, so so like I was saying before, I, I'm curious about the survey, the the group of people that you served. Did some of these pet parents like rush to the vet and obviously nothing happened? That's the worst when you have to go to the vet. You think like with Amy's situation, she thought BB chewed up something. He didn't. And and I think you're right. That's pretty common with a lot of first time uh, pet owners or puppy owners. Correct. Absolutely. In this survey, about a quarter, so 25% of respondents had had the experience of taking their, they were worried, so they took their pet to the vet and they spent money only to find out that nothing was wrong. Now, having said that, peace of mind is invaluable. And I can tell you, I've seen the relief wash over many a face and people are happy to pay the 50, 60, $75 to feel better. But at the same time, they're spending money that they didn't need to. Right. But I think, like she said, it's the wake up call. Like, hey, this might cost money. I call those covid patients. (laughs) (laughs) They they sat at home and looked too much about things. What is this, Doc? What is that? And you say, what? What are you asking about? So uh, we were just talking about how unprepared as well as how unrealistic many pet owners are for unexpected vet visits and even emergencies. Dr. Wooten, I'm curious, how many of these pet owners had pet insurance? Very little of them. Actually, it was down somewhere around 10%, 13, oh, 13% had pet insurance at the time of the survey, 13%. That's up because it was 2% a couple of years ago. <laughs> like I was going to say that's higher than the yeah. national average, which is about four to five yeah. now, right? Yeah. But at least they had 13% of pet insurance. That's, that's not really bad at all. It's a positive trajectory. It's still way, way less than I would like to see, but it is a positive trajectory. So all in all, do pet owners have a realistic idea of vet costs for the lifetime of their pets? Oh, Dr. Fleck, you and I both know the answer to this question. <laughs> and oh, no. <laughs> oh, right. Over 80% did not have an, a clue as to the idea of what they're going to spend on that pet for the lifetime. So uh, then they took, they broke it down a little bit more. So about 30% of people thought, oh, it's going to cost between 1000 and 5000 Right. About 10% thought it was going to be less than 1000 But what we have found is that pet care can cost an estimated cost total of over $16,000 for the lifetime of a pet. And that's just and vet cost. That's just vet cost. That's not right. even food costs or boarding right. costs. So you right? figure 10 years, six, you figure an average pet lives about 10 years. Why don't you say that? I mean, I'm talking from like a Great Dane to a Shih Tzu, 22 years, a Great Dane lives like eight years. So 10 years is probably the average, right? That's 6,000. So you figure 1,000 for just the regular everyday shots, you know, depending if it's an older pet twice a year. 
that yeah. adds up. You got to get prepared. That's just preventative medicine. And I, right. But this is one of the reasons, and you've heard me say this over and over and over again. It's one of the reasons that we tell people you really have to, you, you're so excited to get that specific breed if you get a purebred dog. And you really have to know what the potential hazards or problems with that particular breed, which they never seem to pay attention to. They buy pets from breeders who don't test their dogs for various uh, maladies. So this is why we really, and I'm not preaching, we're just, we encourage you, we encourage you to get a good breeder who tests their dogs and we encourage you to get some books so you know what to expect when you have certain breeds of dogs. And in human medicine, they talk so much about preventative care. Veterinary medicine, probably even more important about preventative care. You know, we don't go and stick our nose in the ground as we walk outside. We, we, our hygiene is so much different. So it's, we're just, they're just more susceptible to pick up diseases than what we are. And let's try to prevent it. Then they won't have the big bills. Sure. Okay. So what can pet parents do for unexpected veterinary costs? Well, there's a couple of things I always tell people. One, you can set up a savings account, just put money into it every single month. Um, that's, that is the ba most basic way to deal with it. Uh, another thing I advise people to do is to get a credit card as a, a limit of two to $5,000 that you only use for veterinary emergencies, right? It's just there. You put it in the lockbox. You never think about it, but it's there if you need it. Um, another thing that a lot of people, when they're faced with these big bills, uh, we always say, okay, well, let's apply for a line of credit. Uh, Care Credit is a big one. Wells Fargo has one. Scratch Pay. The problem is in order to qualify for these, you have to have pretty good credit. And the thing is, is most of the people who are seeking these lines of credit, they don't have that established credit. And so it's very difficult to see people get denied over and over and over again. And then obviously insurance. I talk to every puppy and kitten owner about insurance. And in fact, I give them something so that they are, uh, they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And I tell them, you're not going to think about this right now, but at some point you may really need this. And so insurance can, it doesn't cost very much a month and it can pay the bulk of the, of the bulk of the bill. They pay up to 90% sometimes. So those are basically the ways. Other than that, uh, selling your first child works. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yes. I mean, <laughs> so start thinking about it now. Yeah. I mean, set money aside weekly, maybe one less Starbucks a week. Having that money really will make you feel it'll make you feel so much more confident so that you won't delay in giving your pooch veterinary care. So the information from this survey can be found at pumpkin.care. If you ever find yourself in this situation where you are facing serious injury or illness with your pet, you're already going to have a high level of stress. Don't add to your level of stress by adding in the money piece as well. Just take that out of the way, prepare ahead of time, and make your choices based on the health and well-being of your pet. Great advice. That's a great advice. That's wonderful. Yeah, Thank it's fun. You. Thank okay. you guys. Yeah, now would be a time to see if you could wrangle yourself another treat. We'll be right back with more of the best of the pet buzz. 
Introducing the new PetBuzz.com website. ThePetBuzz.com. It's got a whole new look. More graphics, great pet pics, video versions of our guest interviews, more of Charlotte and Dr. Fleck, and ways for you to save money. ThePetBuzz.com. It's a whole new look. ThePetBuzz.com. We knew you could wait. It just seems like forever. In dog years. Welcome back to the Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz. Enhancing the bond between pets and their people. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. Every week I'm always looking for for global pet news for the show. I always try to find things that are really interesting or things that pique my interest or things that really are, are, are international. So this news is out of Indonesia. So Four Paws, it came from Four Paws, which is an animal welfare organization for animals under human influence, which reveals suffering, rescue animals in need and really protects them. So in this press release that they posted, it discussed how police officers and animal rescues from dog meat free Indonesia intercepted a delivery truck carrying 53 dogs bound for an illegal slaughterhouse. So the consumption of dog meat in Indonesia, which is Indonesia's a Muslim majority nation is considered a harem, which means it's forbidden. And even though the Indonesian government has declared that the dog meat trade is illegal, guess what? People still eat dog meat and the dog meat trade there claims the lives of a million dogs a year. But this was the part that was so difficult to read and difficult to like comprehend. So these 53 dogs were basically under the age of one. They were thrown in bags, tied at the neck and bound at the mouth. And all the dogs after they were cut loose and got emergency treatment, it seems only one dog died and they'll stay at a temporary shelter uh, until they recover from abuse and then they'll try to adopt him out. The good thing is that the man who was suspected of being in the dog meat trade for many, many years, for 20 years, as a matter of fact, he was arrested and he is allegedly one of the kingpins of doing this. And you know what's really interesting? Dog meat in Indonesia was introduced by Christian missionaries. Wow. So that's why. And it's stuck. And, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, There's two things that I thought were kind of interesting about this whole story. Obviously, the type of things that they're doing. This whole situation highlights dog napping. But, you know, we always talk about dog meat being eaten in China and Vietnam. We're really a lot of us aren't aware that people are eating dog meat in Indonesia. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So it's a huge problem there. I guess we really just want to applaud Four Paws. Yes. For being on this case. Uh, And to remind you that Four Paws and other organizations do extraordinary work and they bring in volunteers from all over the world. So I always consider gifting these type of organizations as well as local shelters at this time of the year because they need the money. As well as our giving out a shout to them. Looking for a job in the pet industry, whether it be at an entry level or at the top. There's a new website that makes it much easier. And joining us today to talk about his new venture, employmentpet.com, is William Relenge. William, 
Thanks for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. Dr. Flip, Charlotte, thank you for having me. You know, Mark's been in the space for a long time. He's owned Amazing Pet Expos. He has a pet marketing firm. So we're so glad that we can talk about this new venture because in a time when so many people are looking for a job, you offer a great and simple solution. That's the idea, yes. So William, with the surge of pet ownership during the pandemic, are there and will there be more pet and related companies looking for employees with animal and pet experience in the next few years? Well, they've always looked for, um, you know, as someone that has a passion for animals or is, is, you know, comfortable working around animals. But as the pet industry has grown, um, you really have found that someone with a passion for animals or a pet parent who or person who has a passion for animals is really often ideal. And that is kind of what employers are seeking, particularly in one-on-one animal positions or jobs. So talk to us a little bit about EmployPet.com. What prompted you to found it and what is it? Well, EmployPet.com is basically a job board. So it's a pet version of a monster.com or an indeed.com or any uh, other other, uh, job boards, but it's primarily geared at the pet industry. And that can be anything from uh, animal uh, veterinary assistant to uh, dog groomer or really any position within that realm of the, uh, well, you know, there's the metaverse. I call it the pet averse. Uh, it's just all encompassing uh, in that industry. What prompted you to found it? Well, I have a lot of clients that I work with in our ad agency where we specialize in working with pet businesses, often small to mid-sized pet businesses. And the biggest issue they have is finding someone that is dependable, that really understands the seriousness of working with a living creature or an animal. Uh, You know, there are people who I think that look at pet sitting perhaps as a, um, you know, kind of an easy job to do, or you could do it part-time or on the side, but they forget about things like administering medications if necessary, um, you know, safety issues, uh, making sure that dogs don't get out. I mean, just a number of things that really, when you have someone at the core who is really passionate about pets, even if they don't have the skills, the job is there to either connect them with an employer that will provide that training or a resource to provide that training. You know, Dr. Fleck, did you hear the magic word? Veterinary assistant. And I know you need one. So you're going to have to check out employpet.com after this interview. Right. right? Yep. So is the trend in industry employment websites, are they here to say? I think so. I think that, you know, I've seen a lot of websites, job boards that are industry specific. And I think that there are, some things about the pet industry, as we call it, um, that are unique even to other industries. There are uh, so many different things to take into consideration and all of the you know, safety issues and breeds and how they react and all of these things. So, I mean, it really, I mean, it niches it down to an even tighter uh, segment. And I think that that's where you'll see other industries, of course, do the same thing. But I think that there is such a unique aspect to the pet industry overall that it's it's it in itself will drive probably more than one job board like this currently i think what are the type of jobs that you might be offering on employedpet.com and what do you think it's going to ascend to in the future 
Well, generally the idea is um, for an employer anywhere in the United States to uh, post a job uh, listing that's available on the site in their category. And then, uh, you know, it's a tricky thing when you're launching something like this because you need employers and you need candidates and you have to get them there at the same time. <laughs> and it's a big country. So what we have been basically doing is as the site has grown and launched as, uh, as so if someone posts a dog grooming availability in Nashville, Tennessee, we will follow that with a digital billboard campaign, point our Google paid ads in that direction and try to just boost that area and do that one area at a time. So right now though, we have groomers, uh, training apprentice, um, a, a number of different positions that are available in different parts of uh, the country, and it's getting new ones every day. Sure. Are you hoping, I guess, in the next few years to attract more sales manager type jobs? I mean, not just on the service industry, but, you know, sales and marketing, social media type jobs. Yes. As a matter of fact, is, um, you know, we have those categories there. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we would like to, you know, manufacturing and distribution, uh, product, uh, inside and outside sales representatives, um, any number of things, point of sale systems that are dedicated to, you know, the pet industry, so to speak. I mean, there's so many things that, you know, things aren't always built for the pet industry, so to speak. You can get something off the rack, but it has to be modified like a point of sale system for a retail shop. It may not have the fields that you need for you know, what type of pet, small dog, big dog, medium dog, all of those things. So, you know, those things are out there. So we'd like to try to match those things and other things with the right candidate. We're up against a break. So hang on with us and, and come back and we'll pick up the conversation in our next segment. Yeah, now would be a time to see if you could wrangle yourself another treat. We'll be right back with more of the best of the pet buzz. Introducing the new PetBuzz.com website. ThePetBuzz.com. It's got a whole new look. More graphics, great pet pics, video versions of our guest interviews, more of Charlotte and Dr. Fleck, and ways for you to save money. ThePetBuzz.com. It's a whole new look. ThePetBuzz.com. Brushing your dog's teeth can be expensive. And brushing teeth can be an absolute chore. It's so difficult. And I'm not going to tell you a tale because both are necessary to maintain a dog's healthy mouth. But to supplement my pet's dental care regime, I use Loving Pets products, two sticks. These affordable U.S. made and sourced dog treats help maintain a clean mouth, fresh breath, and stimulate gums. Online at shoplp.com. And we've also posted special information about Loving Pets and how you can save even more money on our website, thepetbuzz.com. So thank you, Loving Pets, another proud supporter of the Pet Buzz. Welcome back to the best of the Pet Buzz. Here's Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Well, we're back right now. Doc Fleck and I are back with author of the new book, Pet Nation, Mark Cushing. He's been a guest on the show before. We always love having him here. Lots of thoughtful insight in his new book that he's sharing with uh, with you all and us, of course. You know, um, 
it's been such an interesting talk, but I, I want to talk about some of the things that are going on. I want to talk about I'm, I'm a, a, a retired attorney at my age, and uh, I was a compliance officer in a Wall Street bank. And um, I'm always interested in legal issues, especially when it comes to pets. And in the book, you write about uh, pet right, uh, pet rights uh, legislation and unforeseen legal issues that come up with elevating their status. So let's talk about that, because I think yeah. that's part of something that we're just starting to talk about um, at home with our friends, with our families. Great question. And lawyer to fellow lawyer, you know, it's it's always great. You know, it's obviously the ultimate profession to be an attorney. So congratulations. Uh, I, I question that statement. There you go. Well, let, wait, listen. A second. wait a second. You want to be a football player. If you had your way, wouldn't you want to be like a quarterback for Michigan State or something like that? Well, of course, of course. So, of course. OK, but so. since I can't be that, I think so, a veterinarian <laughs> is so, top of so the line. I, I, first, I'll give you, you know, I love I love data, um, not just because my wife's a statistical geek, uh, a Ph.D., but um, and here's a piece of data you'll find interesting. Because I've told I told the whole pet world this as you have the success you're having and as culture and society changes in your favor in terms of how we treat pets, you put a bullseye on your back. Believe me, for issues of politics and, and legal issues. My firm tracks 365 days a year, all 50 states, any legislative or agency activity concerning pets, veterinarians and so forth. Right. Three years ago. 15,000 pieces of legislation this year, 25,000 pieces of legislation in all 50 states. The point is, there's a lot of interest in it. And part of it is right at your question. Well, if we treat pets as members of the family, if they are effectively, and I always say that's an insult to pets, they, they get a better deal than kids do. And, and pets don't turn into teenagers. So, you know, you, you know they, they're- They don't? Uh, not that I've seen. <laughs> I, I have five kids. I have five kids, my dog and two cats. You know, piece of, piece of cake. They break break more things, but uh, but in any event, um, there is this question of if a veterinarian or some pet food or pharmaceutical injures or kills my dog, I understand that if I sued to try to get recovery, I couldn't get any emotional loss or companionship damages. These are called non-economic damages, a legal term that you're familiar with. And that's harsh to people, right? It's like, if my child, if that happened to a child of mine, I could do that. And it could be a lot of money. It doesn't replace their life, but, it, but it's partly the, the compensation. And pets are treated as property. They're treated as property under the English common law. And I studied medieval and Renaissance history as a kid in college. Um, what a great career choice, right? But uh, that law has been around for a thousand plus years. So people challenge now the idea, shouldn't pets be given the status of a person or a child? And, you know, as a lawyer and as a lobbyist, I've been active for 15 years in stopping that from happening, which not because I'm mean spirited, but the impact that would have on the economics of veterinary care is, is staggering is not too strong of a word because you then start practicing defensive medicine. You have to take every test you, 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 just to cover your rear end, so to speak. And that's what's happened to human medicine. And, and that's, it's the source of huge damage wards. And a lot of the costs that are baked into the human healthcare system is doctors protecting themselves on the advice of lawyers 
to make sure if something bad happens, they're not going to be hit with a multi-million dollar reward. And there are people say pets should be given that same status. And, and I've made the case that you close the door of access to pet health care for a lot of people if you drive that much cost into the system. Interestingly, state after state, blue state, red state, doesn't matter what the politics are, have rejected the suggestion to make that change. And that's a good debate. And PETA and organizations like PETA keep trying to push the sort of personhood of animals to treat gorillas and chimps as people, um, horses as people, dolphins as people, and ultimately dogs or cats as people. Um, some go to the extent of saying having a pet is like having a slave uh, and pets should be set free, which would pretty much only please coyotes um, who would wait and greet them as their owners let them go and said good luck. So um, that's a challenging issue. The best way to look at it, in my view, is if your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your favorite aunt or uncle, your grandparent, your brother is injured or killed, you don't get to sue somebody for that. It's only a spouse or a child. And you know that, that's a tough issue. My answer always seems harsh, even to vet students. Uh, I've given this lecture many times to vet colleges around the country. And, and I concede it's a challenging issue, but it's just a policy question. We don't have enough money to have everybody whose lives are affected by loss be able to recover. Um, so that's, that's been a really interesting battle. Uh, and then of course, the whole question of access for pets. Um, should a, you can't walk into a store as a member of, of a different ethnicity or race than the store owner and be told you can't come into my store because you're, you're, you're Latino. You can't do that. That's a civil rights violation. It should be, of course, it doesn't, you know, hopefully isn't happening, but it may still in, in certain places. There's the argument made, should, should a store owner have any right to bar a pet from coming in? They don't bar children as, in, you know, kids walk through stores and knock things over. Um, and that, to me, will be the next wave of issues with pets in part is pushing them further into the social sphere, the public sphere, with still 30% of Americans not owning pets and probably not appreciating it. So that's that's an interesting question. I know I've gone on a bit here, but. Um, no, I, I think it's fascinating because I think one of the things that I think that we deal with. Um, and I've had pets my whole entire life and you've worked with pets for a good part of your career is that people elevate, you know, when you start thinking about why people elevate pets to a mini me type of status. And I think it's because in some ways we've lost our way. We've lost the way of actually, you know, our family dynamics have changed. Yes. Uh, and, and recently it's obviously it had a political impact has a lot to do with it. I mean, when would you think about 30 years ago, people not speaking to a brother or sister or parent because they are of another political party? I mean, we just never had that. We right. don't have a sense of community anymore. We don't necessarily rely on our neighbors. Um, and uh, we've been we, and some of that has to do with the uh, finances. Some of it has to do with greed and the and the role of money in our lives. Um, so we find now that we rely on these pets. You know, it's funny because I, I had an we had an interview with someone and, you know, we talk about relying on pets for comfort and companionship. But I think especially during the pandemic for a lot of people, pets have become lifesavers for a lot of yeah. people. They are a touch with reality. They are a way that we can. Uh, and, and this is an example from your book. They're a way that, you know, we meet somebody uh, at the dog park. 
And sometimes we don't even know the other person's name, but we know the dog's name. Yeah. It's, so we, it's, okay. We're going to go. Thanks for a great conversation. Look forward to seeing you next week. Once again, that was Mark Cushing. We we're glad he's back. We're going to have him on on his regular, a regular. He part, he'll be part of the celebrity dream team at the Pet Buzz. Sounds good. What a wonderful person to I be know, part you of. You know, it. the funny thing is when we talked to him, we only got one question answered and then we just kept going. That's, all right. Sorts of things. That's right. So it's great to have Mark back. We'll, we'll probably have him back next month and we could throw down with him and give our opinions. I like it because it's intelligent pet radio. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. It's that time, Dr. Flack. Oh, my. Such an educational show today. Of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Shampoos, skin and coat sprays, sunscreen, ear cleaner and supplements for your dogs and cats. And of course, our new sponsor, Loving Pet Products, the manufacturers of safe and healthy U.S. sourced and made affordable treats. For more additional savings for Loving Pets treats and other products, thepetbuzz.com. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. If you and your pets need even more buzz, we're online at thepetbuzz.com and our social media channels, Pet Buzz Plus, the best way for you to engage with like-minded pet lovers everywhere. My name is Michelle Schaefer. I'm the mom of three boys, and I'm from Haddonfield and North Wildwood, New Jersey. I met Aladdin through my work with Lilo's Promise Animal Rescue, and I foster the emaciated dogs that come into our program. Aladdin came to us. He had been dumped at the side of the road. He weighed about 18 pounds. He had broken bones, other wounds, and he was missing 12 teeth. He was the worst abuse case I had ever seen. The most moving experience that I've had while working with Aladdin were when we were first responders at the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. And Aladdin usually works off leash. He was on leash that night and he led me over to a very specific person. And here that man had been in the nightclub the night of the shootings. He and Aladdin shared a very special moment that really made me cry. Aladdin has changed the way I see the world in a million different ways. The main thing is to treat people with kindness and compassion. My name is Michelle Schaefer, and Aladdin and I are individuals. Sure, I'm a little rough and tough. Somebody's got to me. I like the outdoors, camping, boating, riding in your truck with my head out the window. Yeah, I'll poop outside. Doesn't everyone? A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt.